Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and video show which brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. If you're new to the channel, please subscribe so you won't miss a new episode. I'm your host, Fritz Bussemaker, and today I'm delighted to have a conversation with David Allen. David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Fritz. Delighted to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Allow me to introduce David. Uh, He's been a consulting, training, and coach uh, in the U.S. and global organizations for over 35 years. And he's been recognized as the world's most influential thinkers on productivity. He earned titles uh, like the personal uh, productivity guru by the Fast Company and one of America's top five executive coaches by Forbes magazine. Uh, You presented at a number of TEDx events, uh, author of a number of books, uh, Getting Things Done, and that's going to be the main topic, and you were educated in Berkeley, California. So again, David, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us on The Brand Called You. Sure. We're going to talk about getting things done, uh, also talk about the brain, and I just want to start with one of your quotes uh, to dive in the deep end. Uh, Your mind is about having ideas, not holding them. Could you expand on that? Well, I discovered this just personally and experientially 35 years ago. I had somebody, a good mentor of mine, had me just dump everything out of my head that had my attention, and I felt so much better and different once I did that. And so externalizing the things that I sort of that you're wrapped around in terms of things that have your attention is a huge component for being able to be clear, be in control, have sufficient space in your brain to be doing being creative or strategic and just being present. So I discovered that just personally and and then began to use that technique uh, with in my own consulting practice with my clients and Turned out it did the same thing for them, more control, more focus, more space to think about the, the meaningful stuff. Okay. And so that I discovered that years ago, and in the last 10 years, the cognitive scientists have now proven that your brain did not evolve to remember, remind, prioritize, or manage relationships between more than four things before you start to lose cognitive ability. You're trying to keep more than four things in your head, if that's the only place you're keeping them then you're not going to take a test as well. You're not going to cook spaghetti as well. And you're not going to be as present with your kids when you tuck them into bed. That's science now. That's interesting because that uh, also reminds me of how I grew up, how I went to high school where I really needed to remember things. And what you're saying, that might not be the best thing we should educate our children. Uh, No, memory is okay. Uh, but there and there are great techniques out there. I'm not an expert in memory. You know, there are people that can memorize everybody's name in a thousand person audience. And it's like, you know, that's too much work for me. But that's not it. It's mostly about freeing up your mind from trying to remember remind because that takes up cognitive real estate. Okay. And so it's fine to remember your phone number. It's fine to remember somebody's name. That, that, that's great. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with memorizing that stuff. But if that's all you're doing, then and trying to then remember remember when you need to remember <laughs> you know tricky business and you're again your mind did not evolve to do that your mind evolved to do very cool things it's doing it right now which is using long-term 
uh, history and pattern recognition. We say, well, that's a computer, that's a light, that's a person, instead of just vibrations of light and sound. So your brain evolved to do very cool stuff, but you still go to the store for six, for lemons. You come back with six things and no lemons. You know, what happened? Uh, you tried to use your head as your office and your head's just a crappy office, period. Don't shoot the messenger, guys. No. This is the truth. This is the truth. No. I, I got that. Now, I do want to go a little bit back to people, uh, to, to when you just started. You said, uh, when you started 35 years ago, uh, you came across this personal experience. Um, what was it that made you stay uh, in this, I would say, area and say, okay, well, uh, good, I know it, but I'm going to move on. So something triggered you to say, hey, this is actually so interesting. I'm going to stick, it, stick to this for 35 years. Well, I was involved in a lot of personal growth stuff. I mean, this is Berkeley in the 60s, you know, so I was uh, in the 70s. So, I, you know, I'm, uh, I, I was always into growing myself. And also, I'm a really freedom guy. So, like, don't, don't fence me in. You know, don't. Yep. And, and then at a more subtle level, don't fence me in in terms of my thinking. I want to be able to be present with whatever I'm doing. I also had a black belt in the martial arts. And, you know, being clear is healthy, but it's also very practical. You know, if you're jumped by four people in a dark alley, you don't want a whole lot of unprocessed emails somehow banging around in your subliminal psyche. You need to be more present and available. So I love that idea of being present and available. I've, I've, I've been attracted to sort of that Zen idea for, for, you know, since I was a teenager. And so it was nice to come across something that said, okay, if I do this, it keeps me clear when my life is getting more complex, more subtle, more sophisticated and busier as my, you know, my little small consulting practice that I started in 1982 that started to become that way. And so I was looking for techniques for myself so I could stay still focused and be clear, you know, it wasn't like my life was dramatically bad. And then suddenly I found some, whatever, it was like, Ooh, that's a cool thing. And that really helps in this regard. And then again, it became, uh, you know, it was an interesting component to add to my consulting, you know, uh, quiver, you know, my, the, the errors of my quiver that I could work when somebody asked me to help them with their business and their startups or whatever. I could say, well, let's first just empty your head and then see what happens. And invariably, you know, it was phenomenal. For them to try to do anything else before they did that was like pushing up against a big wall because quite frankly, they had a lot of their cognitive uh, machinery was, was wrapped up and hung up that they couldn't then make that available to make the, the forward thinking decisions they needed to. I sometimes uh, use the, the term uh, mental constipation. Yeah, well said. And anybody listening or watching this at some point has felt overwhelmed or confused and sat down and made the list and felt better. Yeah. So this is, you know, it, and so I go, well, why? If you reverse engineered how that happened, the world didn't change. Mm -hmm. What changed is how you're engaged with your world changed because you externalized the things that had your attention and got it out of that crappy office. And, and that, that's just, that's just the truth. Anybody who's ever done this has never experienced anything less. Okay. Um, if you just glance at this, it does remind me of time management. Is that too simplified or not? 
Yeah, that's how we sold this because yeah. <laughs> yeah. everybody, yeah. you know, the, the corporate training world, everybody yeah. wants to check off that box. Yeah. So, well, we have time management. No, yeah. You can't manage time. Time management's yeah. a hope. You don't mismanage five minutes and come up with six or four and a half. You don't manage time. You manage how you deal you how you deal with you during the time you have. So you've got twenty minutes. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. That's not time management. It's about managing yourself. It's managing where do I put my attention? Where do I, you know, how do I organize it? They call it time management. So it's not so embarrassing to say I need help in managing myself. So they call it time management. <laughs> so executives can say, oh yeah, I need better time management. No, you need to manage yourself better, dude. Yeah, but they just are not willing to. You know, admit to that. So, if they're not willing to to admit that, that 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 also would mean that not they're going to ask the outside world for advice. Please help me better manage myself. So, what uh, what are the questions people are asking themselves, which leads you to reply? Okay, you have to talk about getting things done. Well, they're asking themselves, how do I set priorities? How do I get rid of this overwhelm? How do I deal with this influx of huge amounts of things, this backlog of email that's piling up on me? How do I stay clear and focused, you know, so I can focus on the real stuff that matters? Okay. And could you, in a nutshell, uh, take us through what your advice would be? Is there a particular structure you can then use? Over the years, you know, we developed a very specific structure. Basically, there's kind of a five-step, there's actually a very real five-step process that you go through to take any situation, whether that's your kitchen or your life, and get it more under control and more focused. First of all, uh, let me do it real quick. There's a, you, you capture, you clarify, you organize, you reflect, and then you engage. So I'll go through each one of those in a little more detail. And capture means you start to recognize, wait a minute, what's off or what's got my attention right now, right? So that's the first step is to identify that. So as we talked before, write it down, get that stuff out of your head, just empty your head with the things that have your attention. Now that won't solve those things. And it doesn't even necessarily get rid of all the tension ultimately because you need to go through the next two or three steps, right? So first of all, write it down, you know, here's, uh, you know, or even if you take meeting notes, if you do anything like, okay, something I might want to, should, or could decide or do something about, that's the capture step. Very critical, first step. Second step is to take what you wrote down and say, okay, David, what does that mean? What are you going to do with that? So there's a clarify step, which says, is that something you need to move on? What's your commitment about that? Is it uh, trash? Bad idea? Uh, reference material, you need to just you know, do something with the park or somewhere so you can see it later. Or uh, maybe a, hmm, one day I might want to then go to that movie or read that book or cook that recipe. So uh, there's some non-actionable things you need to decide that. And if they are actionable, what you wrote down, oh yeah, I need to, what? And then there's two decisions you need to make. What's the next action you would need to take if you were going to move on that right now, is that an email to send, a website to serve, some uh, conversation with your life partner to have, whatever, what's the next action? And if that one action won't finish whatever this is about, what's the finish? What's the project? What are you, uh, what, you, know, what are you trying to accomplish with this? And that could be hire the vice president, decide whether to adopt or not, you know, uh, fix the tooth that hurts. So then you have a project 
So outcomes and actions become the result of thinking, you know, clarifying the things that have your attention. So that's step two is clarify that. And then of course, step three is organize. Well, if you have a, you know, gee, mom's birthday, what's my next step? Call my sister. Great. Can you call her right now? No. Well, then where are you going to put a reminder to call your sister? Ah, then I need to organize reminders of the work that I've defined to do or the action steps I've defined to do and the projects I've defined that I need to complete. And so just creating some sort of a list manager so you can keep track of your projects and the actions you need to take about them, you know, and some other things and organize your reference, organize your trash, organize, you know, just organize these things based upon what they are. And then step four would be, you need to then reflect on all that. You get to time when you have a phone, say, who are all the calls I told myself to do? I just added an errand to my errands list just before you and I came online here. You know, uh, to get some photos done that I need to to renew my license in the Netherlands, you know, because uh, I need to get a renewal for that. And I need a passport size photo or license size photo, you know, the, yeah. the Amsterdam requires a certain size. So I need, so that I just added that to my errands list. So next time I have any time to go out and do anything out and about, I say, oh, oh yeah, I need to stop by the place and get my my passport photo done. So that, that's the organized, and that's the reflect set, said, okay, that time, let me look at all my options about things I could or should be doing right now. And by the way, most people have between 100 and 200 next actions. If they were actually doing what I just said, in terms of capturing everything that had their attention and clarifying outcomes and actions, that they needed to do about all those, they would have a, quite an inventory, you know, quite a menu of things to be able to pick from, but then say, okay, here's how I best spend my, on my bike out in Amsterdam here. <clears throat> I got two hours yeah. or all the things I need to do or could do during that time. It doesn't mean I'm not going to do anything else that's not on the list. It just means I, I'm not missing anything. I'm not going to feel bad if I, oh, I forgot I should have yeah. or, or whatever. And that's the stage four is reflect. That is, look back on the inventory of your own commitments with your life and work. And then step five is simply to engage. Okay, where do I put my attention, my focus? I got two hours. I'm going to get out on my bike and do errands. Let me, that, that's what I'm going to do right now. So I don't have to, in other words, I'm, I'm real clear about what I'm not doing. You can't feel good about what you're not doing until you know what you're not doing. And so, you know, maintaining that total inventory of all those things you've come up with makes it a lot easier than make spontaneous, intuitive decisions about what to do at any point in time without having being distracted by, oh, my God, I hope I'm not forgetting something. Uh, yeah, because uh, I'm trying to figure out where you're going to draw the line, what you're going to write down or not. Like uh, each and every morning, I don't have to write down uh, that I have to brush my teeth. So your teeth tell you. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, is there a, like a guideline, what you're going to write down and what you're not going to write down? Yeah. Anything you can't do in the moment yeah. that you need to be reminded of that you, tr that you don't trust the world will remind you. Got that. Okay. Uh, does remind me, by the way, of a saying my wife every now and then says, like, if you want to get something done, ask a busy person. What's your take on that? Is she right? Or mm, Yes and no. I mean, the truth is somebody who's actually engaged and moving forward and whatever, they, they have some sort of a system or some sort of a practice and, you, you know, yeah. So uh, if you've got somebody who's just lazy and just doesn't care about anything, you don't want to give it to them to do it because obviously they're, they're not 
you know, in that game of getting things done. So finding somebody who's in the game of getting things done, it, sure. However, a lot of people are into the busy trap. Yeah. And a busy person is not necessarily the most effective person. Right? Sometimes you want to give it to somebody who wants to think about it for two days. Because they need to think about that thing for yeah. two days. Because they, it's a subtle, it's sophisticated, or they, they want to make sure they come up with a, an appropriate decision about it. So busy does not necessarily mean uh, productive. Got that. It, of, it oftentimes is an avoidance of being highly productive. Let me just get busier so I get off my own back, so I don't have to think. Yeah, the, uh, that brings you to the whole concept of let, let me look busy, then at least somebody thinks I'm being productive if I just looked apart. Yeah. Uh, but this is actually a nice segue to a, a recent blog I read uh, uh, from your hand where you talk about uh, people who follow your passion. And it seems to me that's either a wrong target or a wrong turn. Because in your blog, you said, following your passion is good enough. Uh, beyond passion is peaceful purposefulness, uh, purple, purple, purposefulness. Yeah. Well, passion is kind of overrated. You know, I'm mm -hmm. not a motivational speaker, and there are a lot of people out there that want to jack people up and get them all yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, if you have fun doing that, that's fine. But uh, as as emotionally high as you get, that's how depressed you will get when that stops. So the emotional high, there's nothing wrong with that. However, it's not the that's not the ultimate. Uh, effectiveness driver. The ultimate effectiveness driver is, as I said, or you, you repeated for me, it, it's sort of a personal thing. Here's where I'm going. And here's kind of what I'm going to do. If somebody looking at you may say, you don't look passionate. Say, no. Well, it depends on how you define passion. That's what I, yeah. what I said. Yeah. You say passion means I'm, I'm so engaged with this because it's important to me. You don't have to look emotionally high. You don't have to be, oh my God, I've got to go balance my checking account. That's but, actually, yeah, because uh, I do feel that uh, we live in a world where you somehow have to, in a lot of cases, people feel they have to demonstrate to the outside audience uh, to, okay, look, I want to prove to you I'm passionate. Uh, Whereas I'm hearing you say, well, as long as you prove it to yourself, then that's fine. It doesn't look how it's well, going to I, I think most of the people, I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't read them all, but most of the people who are writing about being passionate about something, nobody ever went out there to be passionate. Somebody looked at them and said, based upon what they did, they must have had a passion about. And that's where the purposefulness comes in. They had a goal in mind and they put yeah. it. They pursue that. Now, I mean, would you say would you say Gandhi was a passionate guy? No. Yeah. But he had a purpose. He was. He was. You know. He was. He, he was dedicated. So that sense of dedication. Again, if you said passion means to translate to very dedicated to your intention and its expression, I'd say sure. Yeah. I'm fine. Okay. So could be that the, the way people describe it, they're just using the wrong terms to describe what they're actually trying to convey. I don't know. What's your purpose of writing whatever you're writing and talking about? You know, are you trying to jack people up to go sign up at the back table to make you some more money? Mm -hmm. Are you, you know, I don't know. 
so all that kind of depends on who, who who's expressing this and who who wants to make something happen based upon it. Got that. Okay. Uh, other question: Where do you draw your inspiration from and your insights? Mostly internally. Uh, people have often asked, "Gee, David, if you if you talk, you know, I'm 76. If you talk to the David Allen at 23, what advice would you give him?" I'd say. <laughs> well, pretty much, uh, you know, I've got a nice life, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything that happened to get me to where I am. But my advice would have been: there is a still small voice inside of you you haven't learned to listen to yet. Could you expand on that? And additional to that question, is that an advice you can only give yourself, or is there advice you would would like to give to young people in general? Don't give anybody. Pay attention to your intuition. Trust the inner small voice. Now, we all have a committee in our head, so there are a lot of voices. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> some of them just want to eat and procreate. Yeah, and, and some of them are, you know, uh, from a little higher, you know, horizon, are saying, "Oh, mm, I think uh, I think Fritz, here's probably what you ought to be doing this afternoon, or what you've told yourself you ought to be doing this afternoon." How are you, you know, are you going to do that or not? And so there are voices inside. And But listening to the voice that has the most intelligence and the most love for you internally, and there is one. So that I didn't know when I was 23, yeah. believe me. That took me many years to recognize both there was an inner voice, how to listen to it. Okay, can you accelerate that? Can you, uh, you said it's taken you a couple of years to, to listen to that voice. Uh, can you speed it up or is it something? Oh, sure. Comes all, with you, all you have to do is stop. Be quiet. Listen. What's, what voice do you hear? And with, you need to have some intention. If you just wanted to be passive and not think of anything, that's okay too. You can play around with whatever shows up then. But having some intention called, gee, I'd love to know what to do this afternoon or with my life or with should we get divorced or should we adopt a kid? Okay. If you have an intention to, to ask that question and then be quiet enough to listen to whatever the answers may come that come inside of you and then test them out. Don't believe it all. You know, you got there's probably all kinds of entities out there going on in <laughs> unseen spaces that may be giving you voices you, you may not should pay attention to. So, you know, don't be unconscious or don't be uh, ignorant. Okay. And maybe this is also where a difference from simple time management, because to what extent could getting things done also be seen as getting the right things done, things appropriate for you, what you want to do? Oh, sure. It's, all, it's really all about that. But is taking a nap appropriate for you? Mm-hmm. Is having a beer appropriate for you? Yeah. Well, how many things are appropriate for you? A- ask yourself, how many things have you done today? Because your decision to do whatever those were, ideally, were the appropriate thing to do in that moment, given the context you were in. You know, so, 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 yes, it's all about feeling confident about your choices, about what you're doing. Yes. And that means appropriately engaging with all of the things you're engaged with. Okay, so how, in that context, how would you then define success? Uh, achieving a desired outcome. And so getting the things done, 
which is for you relevant and don't worry about keeping up with the Joneses about appearances, this is for you. Sure. Well, you know, uh, and productivity has got a lot of baggage around it, Fritz, as a word. A lot of people think, oh, work harder, do more, whatever. But productivity simply means produce the result you're after. If you go on a vacation to relax and you don't relax, it's a non-productive vacation. You know, if you if you go to a party to have fun and don't have fun, that's an unproductive party. So, you know, don't get too wrapped around the axle about what productivity means or should mean or what the right thing to do is. The right thing to do might be to do nothing. And now the cognitive scientists have basically proven the fact that your brain had better stop and rest. You know, uh, if you don't get an, a, like a nap in the afternoon or at least seven to eight to nine hours of sleep a night, you're, you're losing cognitive horsepower. So sometimes doing nothing is exactly the thing you need to do. So getting things done might be getting nothing done <laughs> as the thing to do. I know that sounds like double talk. No, I, no I, I recognize this uh, when I talk to top athletes. Sometimes they really read, need to sleep and rest uh, in order to advance uh, themselves as, a, as an athlete. So I, sometimes, sometimes, like I'm trying to learn Dutch right now, which is interesting alzheimer prevention as i say <laughs> but you know sometimes I, I, i'm focused on it too much i just need to stop for a week i'm not trying to do any of that and then it lets a lot of the internal stuff make a lot of connections that i couldn't do yeah. consciously that when i come back to it i'm much better you know having done nothing about it except let the internal mechanisms you know basically process it got that okay so in all those five, 35 years you've been working, are there any failures or mistakes you've made? And what did you learn from that? Oh, yeah. Hired the wrong people, made some agreements uh, uh, because I was sort of forced to make the agreement and should have waited a lot longer and done more due diligence about them. So, yeah, there's numerous of those. So... Uh, is there a common thread in the lessons learned? Uh, don't move so fast. Don't be pressured by your outside world to make decisions that you need to do a lot more due diligence and due diligence internally as well as externally about whether that's the right thing to do at the moment or not. And that's a, tr that's, that's a tricky call for them. Sometimes you really need to make a decision strategically. You know, uh, Sometimes but, uh, just... Doing nothing is productive, as you just uh, mentioned before. As long as you have an intention yeah. that I get a solution, sometimes not being busy about it or making too fast a decision, you know, would be uh, the most, would be inappropriate. So, yeah, I've got not a lot. I've got three or four, you know, two or three big ones that cost me a lot of money. And, uh, but... I learned from them, and that's a lot of what I learned. <laughs> a lot of it was, ask my wife. <laughs> yeah, she had a gut feeling. She, she, would have, she, she oftentimes has a gut feeling better than mine, so, yeah. Because that also means she has a more objective outside view, and you had a question no. what's happening? No, okay. No, this means she's, she, she's in, more intuitive about the situation. 
Okay, so my advice would be just, just make sure that you stay married because that's a useful person to have around. <laughs> or find somebody that you would sort of trust in that way. Yeah. If they were, if they knew enough about what your situation was, that they would be willing to make an intuitive judgment call. Now, that no, that's it's good to have those people around you when you make decisions and just ask them to coach you on that, and that's a sounding board. Now, uh, a couple of final questions, David. Um, when you talk about getting things done. Uh, do you see it reflected in the overall productivity of the organization, or is it uh, is that you say uh, uh, something you uh, see as a result, or is it just about the people in an organization or in a personal life? Well, that's a big question. Uh, essentially, getting things done, as I wrote it, came from my you know thousands of hours of one-on-one -on -one work with people personally. A lot of it had to do with how a person makes sure that they get clear focused, uh, you know, in control, you know, of their own work and life and ecosystem. Now, the truth is, once one person does that, it affects everybody around them, because it affects all of their intersections. All their intersections will move up the food chain. You know, if you say, hey, if I say, hey, Fritz, would you get back to me about that? And you go, oh, sure, David, I, I'm going to write that down right now and go as my waiting for list. If I care, I'm going to get back from you what I just asked. And when you know that, that's going to up-level your integrity about making sure you fulfill that commitment. So anytime anybody sort of up-levels their own game about how they manage themselves, it will up-level everybody around them that they intersect with, whether that's your boss, your colleague, or your direct reports. That will, that will do that. So the, when an individual then gets this, it affects their ecosystem you know, in some way, at least osmotically, if nothing else. Now, the truth is we know now that when, especially senior people or people who are managing teams or people who are managing groups, when they get this and they start to hold their teams and their people accountable to these kind of behaviors, what's the outcome? What, what, why are we meeting? What's our outcome? What do we want to have true by two o'clock this afternoon? Yeah. And by the way, what's the next action that, that, that somebody's going to take and who's got it based upon what we just decided? Those two things can change a whole culture, just organizationally. Just the outcome and action thinking, which GPD, my methodology, basically, you know, has <laughs> just recognized as the key elements of clarifying your work. Um, if if they just get that, it, it certainly affects the team and its and its whole context for sure. Despite the fact we're almost running out of time, you hit on a topic I really want to briefly explore, and that's the cultural element. As you said, that if you start to apply to thinking or recognize what it could lead to you, that also could mean that anybody can question, hey, is this actually a relevant action to take or not? Is this is a relevant meeting. Uh, we should have sent that email. Uh, some cultures completely acceptable to have that type of interaction. Uh, there are other cultures where it's not just, just not done. Yeah, so leave if you leave. don't care. If, you, yeah. if yeah. that matters to you, yeah. leave leave the culture. Or how much patience do you have to think you might be able to change that culture? Yeah. And your position, yeah. that's up to the yeah. person. But, 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 but does that also mean that you yourself will leave? I'm only going to work with organizations where I feel it has the right match and, and willingness to adopt this, and other parts, well, I'm not going to even go, go there? Sure. Good. There's a, there's a big world out there who want to get things done, I would imagine. 
even more today? Yeah, yeah, but it's tricky business, uh, you know, and, and so who and how and, and in what way they want to get it done. You know, those are all, you know, individual and, and, and uh, uh, separate distinctions, you know, about what you, what you want to do. But certainly once people sort of implement my methodology, they get very frustrated. They start to recognize bad meetings. They recognize bad conversations. They recognize inappropriate ways to, 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 to sort of try to deal with work. They recognize a whole lot of that stuff they didn't recognize before. But once they get this, they go, hmm. So whether they're willing to tolerate that, we've had a lot of people just leave their company once they get this because they go, God, they, these guys don't get it. Yeah. And this is so uncomfortable. Uh, I want to go someplace that people do get it. So okay. that can that can happen. But also you could say, look, I'm willing to be patient. What I'm getting from my, my you know, my uh, association with this group or with this organization or with this company is enough to give me enough patience to tolerate those kind of behaviors. And let me see if I can help train people and, and coach them otherwise and sort of lead them on. Again, it depends on your patience, depends on the timing. Got that. Okay, David, all my to-do list for today was have an interview with you to talk about getting things done. So I can take that off the list. Uh, yeah. Do want to ask you uh, if you find this to be, uh, you could say a bad meeting or useful sp uh, time spent? Well, I, I love talking about this stuff, you know, to whoever, whoever's interested in talking about, you know, so and, this, uh, is, this, is, this is great. Yeah. And I do hope, uh, well, you have, because you met, I mentioned you had five books and there's loads of resources out there, which we include in the description of this interview that uh, people can refer to. Because if people are curious to get things done, we'll make sure that they get that information to them. So. Uh, David, it was a pleasure talking to you, and you've opened up my eyes also that sometimes doing nothing is a great way to get things done. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You videocast and podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.